Enter the Blanket Fort for a discussion on sex and body positive workshops. We are really excited to have Jaleesa Johnson of Muller She Wrote as a guest on our show today. All this and more on The Leftscape! Hi, this is Wendy Sheridan, and you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hey, this is Robin Renee. Hi, this is Mary McGinley. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great days, great weeks, great months here, and I'll just go through them quickly. That June 12th is Loving Day. That's and a super important one for me. I love yeah, that Yeah, yeah. It is. The, and it, I know a lot of people think that it's loving because they think the emotion loving, but it's loving where, where the couple's name. The, yes, Loving mm-hmm. Virginia, which was the uh, court case that m- made interracial marriage legal across the U.S. finally in 1967. Yes. Uh, well, seven, seven, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, June 13th is Weed Your Garden Day. Uh-oh, that's going to take more than a day, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, if you haven't done it yet, you need to do it. I did some earlier, and I'll be doing it again. Uh, it's one of those one of those. Other I actually things. have some uh, poison ivy out there I've got to pull. Um, let's see. On the 14th is Ignore, uh, what's his name's day? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to say his name. <laughs> Okay, well, forty-five. It's, it's apparently it's apparently his birthday, and I'm seeing some stuff online asking the media to not to just make it a a forty-five free day for the entire day of his birthday. That would be restful. Because really, <laughs> I'm I intend not to think about him that yeah, day. I'm really I am just every time I turn on TV and they it's him, I turn it off. I'm d- just getting too disgusted. So I'm looking forward to the 14th. Hopefully hopefully someone will observe that. It's pretty tough for the news uh, outlets, I think, because they think he's newsworthy. But, you know, somebody might pick it up. (laughs) It would be be pleasant. (laughs) Yeah, that would be good. Um, June 19th is Juneteenth, which is a very important day. Um, The... It's the uh, anniversary of the Emancipation yes. Proclamation. And uh, 20th is Hike with a Geek Day. That I had never heard of. I haven't heard of it either. And what, what is I the importance of uh, hiking with a geek? Uh, geeks need to get out and into the uh, sun. <laughs> and you can learn lots of... Uh... Lots of random facts you didn't know about or care about, probably, depending you on know, what type of geek of person it is. It's funny that when I was a kid, the first time I ever went out camping and hiking, I went with uh, my future sister-in-law and her mother, who they were both teachers and geeks, and uh, we were hiking, and every plant we went by, they knew the Latin name of. So, wow. and they, after a while, it was like, wow, I just, 
why do you have all this useless information? It's useful. I have, I, I probably 13. have so much music. I was 13. I thought it was useless. <laughs> so let's see. Um, 21st is the summer solstice and you should take your dog to work on that day. It's also selfie day and international make music day. Sounds good. The 24th is International Fairy Day. Uh-oh. Well, that's for, that's for the, the fae. Yeah, the so that we're going to see people being fairies all over the place. They also they also recommend uh, that's a good day to go see a performance of Midsummer Night's oh, Dream, for I've example. I've never heard of that before, but that sounds good. So uh, who are the birthday people this, uh, this week? On the 12th. Anne Frank would have been 90 had she survived uh, and gotten asylum in the United States, which she had applied for and was rejected. Um, and I have to just throw that out there because we're kind of doing the same thing now, and it's really awful. Um, and a couple of Timothy's birthdays, Timothy Simons from Veep and Timothy Busfield from the West Wing and 30-something and other stuff. And Bobby Sheehan's birthday on the 13th, uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson have a birthday. <clears throat> and on the 14th uh, is Boy George and Che Guevara. And that's all I'm saying about the 14th. On the 15th, we say happy birthday to Ice Cube, Courtney Cox, Neil Patrick Harris, and Waylon Jennings. <laughs> and on the 16th, we have the birthdays of Tupac Shakur, Geronimo, and John Cho, who um, is is a really good actor. Um, I noticed him because he was started playing Sulu in the Trek movie reboots. Um, and there's a rumor going around that if they're doing the live action version of um, Cowboy Bebop, the anime, uh, that John Cho has been cast as Spike, which I'm very excited mm. about. So, <laughs> so happy birthday, everybody, except that one person <laughs> um, <laughs> who we're not naming. Hey, I'm Julissa Johnson from Muller She Wrote and the Racial Maddow Show, and you're listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. The news, the week that we're recording this, uh, our president is currently in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's funny. And the British people have welcomed him in, in quite the wonderful manner. <laughs> I, I've been seeing photos of, for example, um, a hat, like a giant projected hat from the uh, destroyer, the USS John McCain, uh, is projected on Madame Tussauds uh, building in the evenings. Um, they also, I also saw a projected um, picture showing the current approval ratings of both uh, former President Obama and current President T uh, <laughs> with Obama at like 84% and 45 is at like 23%. Um, the giant babies floating, right? Yeah. You guys, have you guys heard of other things that are, that they're doing to uh, make him feel welcome? 
let's see what oh, else. Oh, I like I, that. I just, I just know there's a lot of street protests and things like that. I haven't really. I don't know. I'm taking a little mini vacation from. I think that someone who had a, a farm or something in the flight path from the airport uh, mowed a big penis in their lawn <laughs> and said, Oi, Trump. <laughs> so, I think somebody else mowed another thing in, in their lawn as well. I don't remember what it says now, but somebody else installed a statue in a public square of him sitting on a golden toilet and tweeting. Yeah, well, that's nice. what we're all picturing. <laughs> yeah, really? So, <laughs> so I wonder how much of these he actually sees or if he has staff that go to extreme lengths to shield him from it. Oh, like uh, that. Yeah, that would that would be a shame. It would. It would be. But, you mm. know, but I mean, I was just thinking of the, the, um, the John McCain ship what was it uss mccain or whatever that they tried to um shield him from i guess they actually achieved it because like they said he would no did they that was in japan well right it was yes but what happened and that there's been a lot of different stories i know they gave the sailors the day off so they didn't wear their uniforms with the name on their uniforms really i didn't hear because it's on Yes, they gave all the sailors the day off, which I thought was nice. Um, and they had initially covered the name of the ship with a tarp. And then I think because of how the order was issued, it really violated the chain of command. Mm. So then the tarp came down at some point during okay, the day. All right. I had heard they so, covered it. I didn't realize that they, they yeah. covered it. That's so absurd. It's sort of like, um, it's well, silly. yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's also this um very vivid um expression of walking on eggshells around a narcissist it's like if it's nothing i mean it's just such yeah. a extinct distinct illustration of that it's kind of incredible you know yeah i yeah i think that that's that's the thing about this is it's not that trump did this it's that somebody on his staff did this and for somebody on his staff to feel that this was necessary it, it's very extreme yeah yeah. And like you're saying, it is. Well, that's kind of how you learn to get along them. around somebody like that. That's why it's so weird, <laughs> you know. No. Oh man! And what was, was something oh, well, else in that... Britain? The fact that Trump is trying to tell them how to run Brexit when he has no idea <laughs> what it is, <laughs> you know, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand economy. He doesn't understand anything in business, and yet he talks. Oh, and, oh but the other thing, too, the fact that they did not, uh, the queen did not let him stay at the palace. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I did she not let that. Obama stay at the palace. She did not yeah. let him stay at the palace. They said there's construction, just... quote unquote. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Probably been going like on for years. But, oh, yeah. um, he had to stay at the uh, American embassy. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he has to, it's, he should stay at the Yeah, he complained about it's... where that embassy was being built and all that. And the, or they, they were building a new embassy and he was complaining about it. So they got a perfectly good old embassy. They should use it. When it where it's insecure is one of the major things. And that's, and, and it's all run down. And so now he's got to stay there. 
Poor baby. <laughs> hey, Mueller spoke. Yes, that was kind of monumental after two years of uh, silence and speculation <laughs> and everything. Yeah, hearing his voice, I'm glad it didn't sound too goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I liked I liked that uh what was it John Oliver on uh, this past Sunday um said when they had the picture of Mueller it's this is a man saying impeach him with his oh, eyes right <laughs> something like that Oh well, yeah I mean what he wound up saying he didn't say anything that was really not in his report but he put a fine point on the fact that if they could have exonerated the president from saying he committed crimes they would have done so so yeah you know Which that was... if, it's hard because you have to listen to it you know and it that it makes sense to you and i but to some people that that sentence because it's inverted it doesn't make sense and especially if you're kind of dumb it doesn't make sense <laughs> well I, honestly really i maybe maybe i feel like he um well, I, I, I like mean by what the negative. could say and and boil down what his 400 and some page report was to something that starts to be more of a soundbite for people to actually hear. Like if no one, if someone just heard Barr's original comments and said like, oh, president was totally, uh, you know, there's nothing, nothing happened kind exonerated. of Exonerated. Yeah. yeah, exonerated. Then um, this statement, I think, it's, it seems to me a lot clearer, at least a, a, a newscaster, if it needed to be interpreted for someone, I think, you know, you more likely to get a clearer picture from like a short statement. So, you know, you may be right. Yeah, not he, everyone gets it. And I'm guessing Mueller isn't allowed to say that that he committed yeah. a crime outright. He can't say, he's he's like prohibited from saying that because he can't draw the conclusions. He can only present evidence yeah. is that yeah. kind of what's happening I'm not sure well he, no it, i think it's also he can't um he can't uh accuse the president of a crime because the president cannot be tried for it and right. so the president would not be able to bring evidence to the contrary so it wouldn't be fair okay mm -hmm. but he sort of made it very clear that there are other mechanisms by which a president could be held accountable, hint, hint. <laughs> you know. So I, I, I'm not sure that he legally can't say these things, but I think he feels his he's 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 um interpreting. No, his I job think if there was a legal thing that you you can't accuse someone who can't defend themselves. Well, it's all a convention. Maybe. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's traditional that the president will not be indicted or at least that's that's the precedent that's been set so i don't know even that it absolutely cannot happen it's just that it's not going to happen it's it's very clear that 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 um yeah in other words in other words everybody except him is playing by the right. rules which because yeah. if he was anybody else he would have resigned yeah. already yeah so yeah. you know and then part of me feels like it it would be great if Mueller would say these are extraordinary times, and even though I wouldn't normally say X, Y, and Z, I'm going to say X, Y, and Z. Like I kind of <laughs> envision that that would be an amazing yeah. thing. But I think he's he's done what he's supposed to do and really brought it to the door of Congress. And who knows what they'll do? But um, 
they do yeah. something even i i even if it doesn't i mean it's probably going to die in the senate whatever they do like it did with clinton um but i think it's something that we need to do just for our own sanity mm-hmm. you know i i and and that it's it's the proper thing to do if he's got if he's got all of this shit that he's done and he can be culpable for it it needs they need they need to take him to task yeah i i i was thinking more practically earlier but i think i agree with you it's something that needs to the motions of that should be gone through because it's important to show that you know if someone is committing these kinds of crimes and high crimes and misdemeanors um even though he claims yeah. that, that you have to have both and he hasn't done both of those things or something he had had a really well, weird quote about that the other day um yeah. but i agree I mean, you know we were we were basically attacked in 2016 and nothing fucking yeah. happened right and you know we need to kind of get back <laughs> we need to become a country again instead of this i don't even know what we yeah. are um this this land of fractured people it's i think i think it would go a long way towards towards healing just to even go through the motions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that way at least the stuff the stuff will come out i mean you know there's a redacted report that we don't have all of this the information and for us to be able to function as a democracy, we need the information. I agree. Or they need to just shut the fuck up and say, "Now we're not a democracy anymore. You guys are all fucked." <laughs> no, I well, don't want to hear that. No, I just want to say that oh. we um, a little bit later today we are going to have an interview with Jalisa Johnson of Mueller. She wrote, and they are doing a good job of going through the entire report. Um, well, in their in their regular episodes, they're not doing it. But they have a special uh, episodes they are releasing their reading and discussion on all, every word of the Mueller report. So I think like it's going to Yeah, it's going to be like 10 segments I think all together. Wow. And that's wow. a good. That's awesome. They're, you know, they're funny, uh, you know, and they and they do sort of make light of things, but they really also make sure that you really hear the gist of everything that's that's happened and that's been said and that's really for me I'm finding it really helpful. So, um just putting that out there so hopefully people can really get educated about what the report really says you know hmm. speaking of other things awesome. though um i want to give a shout out to corinne jean pierre if you don't know who corinne jean pierre is she uh is um a publicity person in move on the 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 movement move on mm-hmm. and yeah, moveon.org. And uh, in the recent California Democratic uh, Convention, there was an event with Camilla Harris, and a protester stormed the stage and stole wow. the mic out of Camilla Harris's hand as she was talking and, like, came at her. And Kareem, who was interviewing her, she was sitting on the stage next to her, jumped up and threw her body right in between 
the two of them and shielded Camilla Harris and and moved the guy and she moved the guy like off the stage and she wow. she really like she was not a security guard she was an interviewer she's a publicity person but she just went into this mode you just saw it automatically and it's on video you can see that she went into this automatic protection mode and um it was really impressive um i i think that everybody should go to youtube and and put in kareen jean pierre and spell it i'll find it and put it on our page yeah actually. we'll put a link Jean Pierre, that uh, is it Jean Pierre, like yeah, the French? Yeah, like the French with a hyphen. Oh, okay. okay, she's that's from she's originally from Haiti, wow. and mm. um, and I I just I thought it was very impressive, and and like she she was on uh Rachel Maddow, and Rachel Maddow uh made sure she got her and interviewed her, and she just said she just went into this automatic thing, she she was. She was, what was on her mind was uh, it had just happened, the Virginia Beach, Beach shooting and, and, and so much uh, things that could happen. And she just went into protection mode. Wow. I'm wow. glad Kamala Harris is okay and that everyone's okay. Yeah, um, and, and Kamala yeah. Harris, like they got her off the stage really fast while, yeah. while, they, while this uh, Kareem dealt with this guy. So in other words, the security people just shuffled her off the yeah, stage. Yeah, well, eventually a security person came. Actually, it looked more like it was a stage manager came over and was wrestling with the guy trying to get the microphone out of his hand. You know, and that was pretty brave, too, because uh -huh. he, he could have hit her. He was a big guy. And uh, uh, but she um, Camilla Harris did come back on stage and continue the interview after they got this guy off the stage. So. Wow. It was, it was something. It was just, yeah. I, I just really admired the courage. Lovely listeners, we love you all and we'd love to hear from you. So post your comments on our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And please go to iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. We really need those reviews and that would help us out a lot. Thanks a lot. All right, so I am here with Jaleesa Johnson. Uh, Jaleesa is one of the co-hosts of my favorite podcast, the Mueller She Wrote, and now I can say Webby Award-winning podcast, which is pretty awesome. Uh, she, is, uh, The show is hosted by three women and is dedicated to unraveling the mysteries of the Mueller investigation and does a really, really good job of being both informative and funny. Aww. So there you go. <laughs> and the show... Uh, it's going strong, and it has a. It's also spinning out into a daily news podcast called The Daily Beans. Yes, which is uh, so great. And uh, they might be giants. Is doing the music for it. I, I geek out on that. That's pretty amazing. Julie <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is also a comedian. I just got to see her at the San Diego County Fair, and she hosted an LGBT comedy show called Out at the Fair, which was lots of fun. And she also has her own podcast called The Racial Maddow Show, which is pretty new. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad we're doing this. Yes. Yeah. Me <laughs> me Happy too. to be here. Yes. So what is your origin story? Um, I'm just curious about where you grew up and if there's a defining moment 
that uh, sparked you getting interested in politics and the political realm? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so I grew up in, in the South, specifically New Orleans, Louisiana. kind of spent my childhood going back and forth from New Orleans and then up to Shreveport, which is like the tip top of Louisiana. So I was all over that state. And uh, it's racist all over, so it's really no different. <laughs> but uh, I did like New Orleans. I It was a very... Um, popular urban area where I got to see people come in as tourists and have a good time. And then, you know, the struggle of like any hood community left behind, lots of projects out there. My, my dad grew up in one of them. Um, and I just, I remember when Katrina hit, cause I was 12 years old at the time, uh, couldn't miss it. <laughs> yeah, like, it she came in swinging. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was, uh, in the Superdome for, like the whole week, you know, from the day it hit until like seven days later. And that was just a crazy experience. Just seeing a city turn into a third world country, basically overnight. Um, And so from that experience, I ended up in Texas where I went to school most of my high school years. Um, Very flat Texas, you know, (laughs) but it, it made me like get in tune with my social self like you're you're forced in the south to just like hang out with people there's no other way to have fun in san diego you can go to the beach by yourself have a ball but in the south (laughs) you gotta hang out with people or you're gonna be so bored um so i met a lot of people that i think really changed me but it it wasn't until i moved to california my senior year of high school um of all times where i met my mentor who uh got me into filmmaking and like entertainment and she helped me make a documentary called uh demo crazy and it nice. was just about my experience in Hurricane Katrina. And I was like 17 years old when we made this. Like, it was kind of cheesy. but she, Demo Crazy? Demo Crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, silly pun. And, um, like, democracy. Yeah, 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 And so I just really, like, was getting my first sense of, um, of politics from her. And then also reflecting on my experiences. Because um, I remember George Bush visiting the Superdome or sort of visiting. He just really hovered over uh, like we were in line outside just waiting to get to the buses to get out of town for like two days and he comes in air force one and like he gets so low because he's trying to like you know peep everything out and then his propellers are just blowing dirt in our faces and like i don't know if he knew i wouldn't imagine that he knew um but it was just really a weird symbolic moment as a child for me to be like that's our president wow <laughs> he's you know making me dirty right now you know <laughs> he didn't chuck any paper towels at you no 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 <laughs> He was, oh, the good old days, right? right. Boy, do I miss George Bush. Um, <laughs> but that was, yeah, a really eye-opening time. And my documentary was kind of centered around that experience. Um, and I was also a senior in high school, so I was taking uh, economics and government classes for the first time. So all of it kind of hit me. And especially with Obama as president after that, I was like, I don't know, I got enthused about politics. Like, I really got excited about it. And, and now here we are. And I'm still excited about the potential. I do believe in hope and change and all that good stuff. But just seeing, like, the, the worst of it, you know, the potential of, of evil in politics, too, that still gets me going. So all of it just riles me up. I feel like everything's come together now with the Mueller Shrewd podcast. It's, like, very focused on this super monumental event. And I'm just glad I get to be a part of the discussion, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. So how did you... Uh, I guess AG approached you and Jordan Coburn. To For be sure. Part of it. Yes. Did you know that her already, or and Jordan also, or how did that sort of come about? Exactly. We we all knew each other from the comedy scene because in San Diego, like many scenes, um, it's very like 
tight knit and uh, there aren't as many female comedians as you'd probably like. So we were well aware of each other's existence. And uh, I was a fan of AG's comedy and Jordan's, and, and I think the feeling is mutual, uh, at least enough for AG to uh, reach out to us, like you said. Um, and she was just looking for like a co-host, someone who could help with editing too. And I didn't know how to edit, but I really wanted to be on this project. So uh, I learned how to edit in like two days, which is why the early episodes are kind of sucky. <laughs> it's like, along with equipment, all kinds of things. We just dove right in. You know, we're comedians. We, we weren't techie. Um, yeah, the well, landscape has had its our early issues, so right. <laughs> I'm not sure what issue, I should, what episode I should tell people to start listening <laughs> at, but you know, I feel your pain. The struggle is real, um, <laughs> but I think it's so important when you feel passionate about something to just to just dive in. Like I believe in the idea of the pseudo grind, like the moment of manifesting in your head what you want to do. But I believe there's also a really important moment, like when you decide to switch from the pseudo grind to the real grind. And like some people. Th- stay in the pseudo ground I think too long you know I feel like it's an important step but like it's okay if you don't have everything you know you you actually have exactly what you need you know like just do it just you know just do do it the best you can with what you can right now and you'll be amazed at where you are like a year from now you know that is awesome advice thank you yeah of course it's hard to remember you know (laughs) it's true it's true as a perfectionist it's easy to be like I don't have all the things I can't do anything (laughs) I like to remind myself of this too because I have that same problem and so I think this is just me, like, giving advice to myself, too. And I, I really do believe in this stuff, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. So one of the things I really love about Mo, she wrote, is it's irreverence. <laughs> you guys are not afraid of a few F-bombs, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I find it particularly refreshing that you aren't afraid to say things that, like, a lot of progressive people would think you're not supposed to say anymore. Right, yeah. PC culture is yeah. real. Right, right. Yeah. So how, how do you decide to navigate that? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I, we got a tweet today from someone who, like, a really nice listener. She was just like, hey, I like you guys, and I tried to get my 75-year-old grandmother to listen, but as soon as she heard the F-bombs and the dick joke, she... Can I say dick? I'm sorry. Yeah, you can okay, say every word. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she said her, her grandmother turned it off. And there are plenty of grandmothers that listen to us and appreciate our vulgarity, or just, like, our honesty, our authenticity, I guess. But, um, yeah, every now and then we'll get someone that's like, you guys could, like really have a broader appeal if you just toned it down but we're like nah fuck that we're comedians first like we appreciate you listening for sure but if it's not for everyone it's not for everyone we would prefer to have like the most genuine like transparent relationship with our fans rather than just reach people for the sake of reaching them you know mm-hmm. but you apologize a lot I noticed that <laughs> in general <laughs> so it's like in my whole life I have, I have that bad I apologize <laughs> To my girlfriend, too. She's like, why are you always apologizing, babe? I'm like, I just grazed you. I'm so sorry. Like, just all these little things. I think women, in in my experience, I have trouble with um, feeling the need to Mm over-apologize. Yeah, yeah. I struggle with that. I actually want to make an all-female writer's, like, comedy group. And rule number one is no apologies. Like, don't apologize for anything. Like, I don't care how crazy it is. You punch someone in the face. Think of a better word. Stop apologizing. Just, <laughs> I just want to break that habit. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are some good times to apologize. But right. There are, yeah, just, there are moments for it. Yeah. But have there been places that you decide not to go or, or based on, like, I don't know. Like, I guess one of the things I hear is, like, you'll say, you'll make a joke that's, like, an ethnic joke or something. And not just you, like, any of the, of the three of you. And, and it's sort of... And it is funny, and I think it, to me it's funny among people yeah. who who you understand are not really judging people, but are like making light of the being in the situation where we have these stereotypes, and you know. So right. I find that there's a place for it, 
But then sometimes, like, you'll, I guess, do do uh, apologize in response to letters that you get, or do you sort of feel like, <laughs> uh, maybe we shouldn't have said that? We, uh, a little bit of both. Um, we apologize sometimes directly. Um, sometimes we apologize, like, in blanket statements. Like, we do apologize a lot, I, I admit that. Um, with Mo Shiro, it's a little different, because we want to be comedians first, and then, like, I guess reporters second, but people expect the opposite often and so we do struggle with that but ideally we would just be ourselves like many times we've been like fuck it and we just like you know we're like i'm sorry always see see? say i'm sorry again um just the idea of like i'm sorry i'm gonna be who i am we still feel apologetic about it and and that's what we struggle with as a group in politics with that need to be very professional um but yeah in, in my own show the rachel maddow show I, I don't do that. I also naturally, I don't think, come off as uh, assertive as we can as a collective. Like, when we're all together, we're kind of a sassy group of gals. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm alone, I, I do tap more into my sensitive side. So I, I try to avoid even those letters rolling in to begin with. But that in itself can be a form of, uh, to someone, I guess, censorship. But I think I'm just more a sensitive person, really, mm-hmm. compared to others. Um but yeah, I, I generally, if the joke is, is super funny and I feel like I'm not offending um, people as much as I could, like if it's more funny than offensive, I'm going to go for it. That's kind of <laughs> the rule. Yeah, yeah. That's that's cool. <laughs> so I did get to see you do your comedy set uh, Saturday. Yeah. And two things really stood out to me. So first of all, I just want to say you don't hear a lot of comedy from a black bisexual perspective. <laughs> so to hear that, I felt an affinity that I, I don't really recall having. Oh, like, you know, from nice. the stage. Yeah, yeah. So that was really awesome. Uh, so thanks for representing. Of course. <laughs> and another thing is that, uh, and it sort of goes with what we were talking about, you really don't shy away from jokes about race. And that, I felt I feel uncomfortable. And it's interesting that I feel uncomfortable. Well, yeah. Because it's sort of like, it really points to the fact that we as a culture have issues that we need to talk about. Right, like if we feel uncomfortable, then they must really feel right. uncomfortable. Um, and it's funny enough you say that because I, I once did an interview where someone asked me to describe my comedy in one word, and that's the word I chose, uncomfortable. So, yes, your your comedy um, is interesting and fun and, and, and a little bit uncomfortable, and it was, it's really... Um, it's good. It's like makes you, or like, or at least for me, it makes me really kind of confront the things that are challenging that we need to look at as a culture. Totally. That's kind of what I take pride in. Like, I don't ever want to make someone feel uncomfortable in a negative sense. Like, I guess some people associate discomfort generally with negativity, but I, I think there's more gray area. I think sometimes the truth, which is right is uncomfortable or the truth like as in like people needing to know the truth is right so by telling them that in itself is uncomfortable but it's like a necessary evil i think if 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 evil at all like i just i don't mind being the person that tells or reminds people (laughs) about slavery uh just in case they forget i don't know (laughs) some people are like i I never forget i just want to be reminded i'm like no sometimes we actually need to like even now more than ever i started these like race jokes um like five years ago and that was just back when Obama was still president and I was like racism is probably not that big a deal anymore but I just don't want people to forget and now it's like oh shit it's back it's never really went away these jokes mean even more to me now so that's why I started the racial metal show I was like I have so much so many things I want to talk about so much real shit not just like random slavery hypothetical jokes you know like actual stories about right now you know like modern day slavery, mass incarceration, like police brutality, all these things that, sure, they're not punchlines when you say them like that, 
Um, but I do find that it's easier to, to take in the truth and process it with, with comedy. Always, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was, I was actually going to ask you about the Rachel Maddow show. Um, so it, one of the things I really like about it is that it, it is very personal in nature, it seems. Like I hear you um, reading people's letters and reviews, and it kind of creates a pretty, it feels like an intimate conversation. Oh, nice. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I like. I like to feel like we're all like kind of in the same room or vibing out. You know, like I, I like to have that connection, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, you're going to be telling the news. So I, I know you sort of give a rundown of like the latest crazy things that have happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so far, it's been just me reciting the most racist news of the week. But there's a lot. So I can't even get around to everything. Like all these little stories popping up in all these cities. And they're big stories in themselves. But things you won't really see on mainstream media because we got all this political stuff that's like affecting everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just like the fact that I can talk about the stuff that I feel like hits closer to home and then even if it doesn't hit someone you know to the core it opens their eyes to something that they may not have even considered so either way i think it's it's you know informative whether it's self-reflective or otherwise mm-hmm. yeah in a way that's one of the that's probably a good lead into this question you know um one of the things that i found really frustrating as a musician and as a podcaster is that i wonder about the scope of my impact you know now for you it might feel different because you're really on a, a real upswing in terms of your your uh, people being aware of you and and you have a, a great platform which Thank is you. excellent. Um, but you know, I, even then, I, I don't know if you experience this, but I want to keep believing that just talking and writing or singing about things really matters. And how do you how do you see your impact through what you do? do is it just by people sort of being inspired or learning something new or how does that work for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm a big fan of art. I think it's strange when someone's not a big fan of art, but that's just me being narcissistic. Like, I think <laughs> I think art is so important. I think it's just as important as science, you know? And, and I think that um, for me, there's one of my favorite quotes that I want to get tattooed, actually. It says, life is short and art is long. And mm. I really believe that. I think of all the people that inspire me and most of them having you know, being dead. <laughs> it's um, like they left their work and their dreams and their fears. Everything is, you know, left behind and not in a sad way, in a beautiful, immortal way, you know? And I, I do believe that that can be done with any industry, but art to me is the one that is the, it connects the most with the human condition, which I think is what matters more than anything. Then again, I'm biased. I'm an artist. Of course, <laughs> I'm sappy like that. I'm like our feelings matter more than, I don't know, other things. <laughs> but of course, medicine matters. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Architects matter. They're artists, you know. Everyone's a freaking artist to me, actually. Architect lives matter. Yeah, architect lives matter. That's right. Get that hashtag going. Right. <laughs> so you just mentioned who, who are some of your influences, if you will. Mm, Rachel Maddow, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah, Kanye West. Okay. I love him. Um, I also love uh, Oprah. She actually bought my grandparents a house after Katrina. So she's got a soft space. That's that. amazing. All right, yeah, That's yeah, wonderful. I love her. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, did I say her already? No. Okay, yes, definitely Ellen, um, especially with, with her continuing to, to just, like, push the boundaries and coming out recently about the sexual abuse. You know, she she always takes her platform to a very emotional, real level, and not everybody does that. So love mm-hmm. Ellen. Um, I also love uh, some, like, up-and-coming, I guess they're, like, major actresses, like uh, Samira Wiley. She's a, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, Leah Waith, 
or Lena Waithe, I believe her name is. She played on uh, Master of None. Okay. Yeah, she's a lesbian too. A lot of lesbians I like. Yeah, um, yeah. Kate McKinnon. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I mean, I, Kanye West, lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> he would probably say some stupid shit like that. Right. I love women. <laughs> um, yeah, he's misogynistic, but I like I like the fact that he's passionate and he loves other passionate people. Like he, I think he truly is a decent person underneath all that misogyny for me it's mostly misogyny like the trump stuff he's not political he really isn't he's emotional and he doesn't even vote like kanye doesn't he's never voted yeah i heard that <laughs> yeah like, i was like really that doesn't, for him it's, it makes sense. he it's couldn't just, tell you a single policy wow. but he loves to see someone he just loves to see someone be themselves okay. and i think that can be dangerous but kanye is almost too blinded by his his confidence i think to see the danger but i respect the like genuineness to like you know his character like he has a character flaw but i like the character i do okay yeah well all those people you mentioned are alive so you said you have a lot of dead oh heroes. you're right i'm sorry uh, I mean, i'm glad to hear there's plenty too. of dead people that i'm um I, I think i was speaking more generally too like there's there's dead people that i think influenced my idols and uh. i've been trying to make my way like backwards like looking at my idols idols and so far um uh, you know i'll say mac miller um mm. oh, yeah. nipsey hustle uh XXXTenacion, he's another rapper. A lot of, a lot of dead rappers yeah. <laughs> is what, what I think I, I was thinking at the time when I said that. But also just generally. Um, but yeah, I love artists. I specifically love hip-hop a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just one of the more, um, not just sociopolitical, but like vulnerable genres that it's just... Each generation is, is digging deeper and deeper. And, and this generation of like young rappers, like... They get written off really quickly by, I think, the masses. But if you really listen, like, especially to the ones that are dying, like, they're really sad. They're really self-aware of where the world's going. And they really give a shit. And it just eats them up. And it's just we have to, like, listen a little harder sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Just drown out the other shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I should ask you for a playlist sometimes because I, I am not a... I, I, you know, I appreciate hip hop, but I don't know it. Like I know rock. That's rock fair is enough. Really I lo- my... love rock because uh, because yeah. rock has been vulnerable for a long time. But rock has been like representative of, of largely in my generation, like of, of one collective of, of. And it's hard to say. Okay, I grew up loving rock, but people would say I'm a white girl for it, right? Oh, so yeah. so I had to actually kind of learn about hip hop after I liked rock, and that to me that was a really nice like journey of like just seeing how culturally. The connections are deeper with hip-hop than rock for me like rock is great and it touches many different human elements like love and loss and fear and all that but hip-hop really cut me deep and i didn't expect that mm. uh, i was like shooketh and <laughs> yeah and uh it's actually a white guy that got me into hip-hop too so I, I, I believe in hip-hop's ability to transcend it's not just for black people but it is one of those like fubu type of genres where we can get a lot out of it if we want to and we can give a lot back too and we're not limited i think the idea of hip-hop is like people just think sometimes it's like one thing but no hip-hop just like i think pop it's actually surpassed pop i think as far as profits but just the the reach it's it's its own thing now it's mm-hmm. not just what it used to be like all these young artists are like using a collective of, of genres and and they do it under the umbrella of hip-hop which is really new you mm-hmm. know or, or, or new to me mm-hmm. yeah i really like the fact that um Sonic, sonic sound wise music is really blended right now definitely because people, people are blended yeah. yeah yeah the more that people are able to like represent the, their true selves you're going to see that we're all a melting pot you know which is why racism is like 
the opposite i think of art it's like <laughs> it just destroys like it, it's just like this division like why why can't everything just blend you know like it's fucking weird yeah <laughs> racism is weird you can quote me on that <laughs> i think i will racism how does that work yeah. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> so um just you know just wrapping up i have a question like what is your favorite news item of the week favorite meaning best favorite meaning the most ridiculous item as in like a headline yeah anything or anything that you've been studying okay okay uh favorite favorite um i love that when trump was coming to the uk this week where he is right now there was a a british media that did like a promo I don't know if you saw it, but it was a baby Trump like balloon like floating over the UK. But it was like a really dramatic like movie trailer kind of style. <laughs> like they're like, guess who's back? <laughs> like, and it's crazy because that's where we are in the on the world. Like that's one of our greatest allies, the UK, and they are making fun of our president because they should. Like they would never do that with Obama. Like anywhere, they loved Obama except for the dictators. Yeah, but the dictators love Trump. It's just, I, I like how they use comedy to point out how incredibly humiliating our status is in the world right now. Wow. It's I have so to go sad. find that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot the name of the British source, but like, just look up like Trump, baby Trump UK promo, something like that. Yeah, I'm sure you'll find it. Oh, man. That's... I've seen baby Trump live. Have you met baby Trump? No, I haven't. Yeah. Not. Where uh, was it? Politicon. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was also at the border, but I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, so that's where we are. Right? That's where we are, <laughs> laughing at just the craziness of this world right now. Because if we don't laugh, we'll cry. I'm a crier too. I cry, I cry often. But if I didn't laugh, I'd cry nonstop. You'd see me cry 24 seven if I didn't laugh. Like whenever I'm laughing, I'm just masking my sadness. I'm kidding. No, I'm just, I'm a happy person too. But yeah, I think there is a lot of sadness in the world, and so um, all we can do is counter it with what the opposite of sadness is, right? Yes, yes. And yeah. I think I really appreciate that you. Um, talk about self care on Melissa Road all the For time, sure. and that's something that we're trying to do at Leftscape. Also, is Good. we have a section um, called the Blanket Fort, where we talk about like you know things that are healing and just you know stuff. Yeah, that I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite rappers that passed away last year from an overdose. Cause so many people are like sad and taking drugs, and it's just crazy. Um, he has a song called Self Care, one of his last songs. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, just seeing people, a lot of comedians too, you know, like just really succumbing to their own sadness. And it's so important to like check in. And even when you're checking in, sometimes like it's not enough. You got to sometimes reach out too. And it's hard when you, you know, I've just seen like people, when you think they're getting better, it's right before they're gone. And you just wonder how that happened. How do people not see that coming? And it's like sometimes they're screaming out and, and we aren't always listening or they're, you know, being vague and it's hard to decode but yeah people are sad yes. <laughs> it's, it's a sad time i hate to say it because i want to say that there was there were happier times i used to protest with like occupy you know the whole wall street thing yeah but mm-hmm. in the san diego branch and uh we weren't sad we were angry and i prefer that i'd rather be back to that where it's like things aren't perfect but we have a black president you know like that was kind of our chant <laughs> like, <laughs> with with trump though it's like I'm angry and I'm sad and I'm just I, I I feel a deep deep like depression but I also feel like the resistance is what keeps me going the whole idea of like meeting people like you and doing what we do with Muller Shiro like all of that is like what makes me feel purposeful in these times and if people don't have that or they don't have something like that to tune into I do wonder like what's gonna happen you know like will people stop making art like 
please don't stop me. God damn it. Now is the time to make art. It's like a duty, I yes. think. Yes. Like, counter this shit. Let people from 50 years now look back and say, okay, I know that in government you guys fucked up, but what were the artists doing? <laughs> like, where is the fucking art? Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for that inspiration. Absolutely. So what about uh, upcoming shows? When are you, oh, are you yeah. Be? So next so, um, to July and... Faux show. In uh, July, Mulcher will be doing a live show at the Philly Podfest in Philadelphia. Yes. Hell yeah. I'll see you there if, if you're oh, free. Yeah. Um, we're also going to be in Chicago on the 27th of July. Uh, I forget. I think it's Lincoln Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, in August, late August 30th, we'll be at the Independent in San Francisco. So, yeah, those are the main things. Other than that, you might catch me on some random pop-up stand-up shows. I'll post them on my Instagram. It's Rachel Maddow, of course. Um, and, yeah, Twitter is Tweet Jaleesa. Right. Yeah, we're homies on there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jaleesa. Thank you. And, uh, it's great to have you on the left skit. It's been fun. All right. Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash robinreneefan. Tweet at me at spiritrocksexy. And follow me on Instagram at robinreneemusic. I would love to hear from you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color, printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. So I wanted to do a blanket fort. And blanket fort in our uh, show is about... um, Things that we do that are peaceful or healing, um, sort of our self-care type of activities. And one of the things that is really important to me are workshops and events that offer spaces for body positivity and sex positivity. So I wanted to mention that. Um, I, well, I mean, I guess I, I feel like I create and attend a lot of spaces like that. So as I was thinking about it, I realized I didn't have like one major example, but. um... Well, you know, can I interrupt for a second just to ask you, because I know nothing about this. uh, What is a workshop on body positivity? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there are workshops on body positivity specifically, but I think um, what I'm thinking of are, uh, events and workshops where body body positivity is um, not only accepted but really celebrated. So that would mean that people of all body types are welcome. Uh, trans bodies are welcome. Uh, nude bodies are welcome in a lot of spaces. Um, it's just a way of 
recognizing that uh, all bodies are beautiful and there's no, um, it, it releases the judgment and shame that a lot of us have around our bodies, basically. Um, so, you know, there can be, the workshop could be, it could be yoga. There, like I know uh, someone who does nude yoga and um, teaches workshops and retreats and things like that where you can do meditation and yoga and or move other kinds types of movement in um you know in the clothing optional environment that kind of thing i would be so uncomfortable doing nude yoga because if i'm really getting into yoga i will pass a lot of gas <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just thinking about that being well does your clothing like, hold the gas in no, but it holds any non-gas things that oh, might God. come out with the gas. I don't know. <laughs> when you no. said nude yoga, that's where my brain went right to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is that a lot of people have a lot of body anxiety, you know, and um, sometimes what it takes is is going to something like that and being scared <laughs> And realizing it's okay. And it's probably okay if you pass I, gas at yoga and then people will not shame you for it. I, I think I need to attend this because obviously I've got this hangover. So. Right. You know, and the beach. I mean, I love going. There's a, a, a new clothing optional beach that I love that I go to um, this summer. And, you know, it's a lot of people have that initial anxiety and then they get there and they realize, you know, there are people with whatever you consider standardly beautiful bodies and there are people with all types of bodies and after you kind of go oh and and no one's staring you know um i have a friend who's one of her goals this summer is to go with me because she has a lot of um a lot of fear around that and a lot of of um self critique around her body and yeah. so she's kind of wanting to ex experience that um, i used to experience that at, at free spirit festival and mm -hmm. It, it's, it's for people that are not used to um, naked people uh, outside of a, a sex context, it takes maybe a day to get used to it. What, but at Free Spirit, they were naked? It's clothing optional. So, mm -hmm. and it's really, it, it, that whole dynamic was really interesting. Um, you could tell who were the teenagers because it's like the minute the kids hit I think about 12 or 13, they would not get naked until they were in their 20s. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I guess. So all the changes are happening there a little bit. Yeah, and they don't yeah. want, they're really uncomfortable about it. So nobody does any, you know, nobody says anything about that or gives them any pressure or anything. But I, I just remember, because um, we would merchant at this, so we'd be in the merchant row. And I remember after we set up the people across the street from us, literally just right across the streets are sitting in our booth. We just staring right at them. The first thing they did, they pulled in, they stripped off their clothes and then they started, you know, setting up their tent and, you know, and it's like, Oh, okay. You're not circumcised. That's interesting. And, <laughs> um, so, but he's like, all right, this guy's walking around and his, his danglies are dangling. And, and so what it's, it's like, you really, you really do get used to it after like an hour or two. Um, and it, makes for some really interesting conversation i you know uh <laughs> for seeing where everybody's pierced and tattooed <laughs> and um no really is it, is it something that you find that people talk about or they just notice and don't it's not really a part of conversation 
it, that space. It becomes yeah. normal. It's, it gets normalized really fast. Mm. Um, although, like like I said, little kids will say things that are really funny. Um, and I, I'm just going to share this one quick story and then I'll let Robin talk again. Um, <laughs> there, the guy, there was a guy on in camp who I believe was a doctor in his normal life. So he was like kind of, he would check people out if there was an accident. And, and uh, my husband managed to kick over, I think, I don't know, there was a, like, a, maybe it was a, he knocked over a tiki torch and he got burning oil on his shoe, which melted and kind of, we thought maybe his foot got burned and the guy came by um, and he rides a bicycle all over camp to get around fast. And because he's nude, uh, he had... Gotta be careful. <laughs> no, he had a, an elastic thing with a little jingle bell on that he would wrap around his his genitals to keep it off the seat. Oh, he <laughs> needed a jingle bell. He had a jingle bell so people could hear him coming. That was his line. But my daughter oh observing him riding by with with this stuff on his on his genitals says that man has a fancy penis. So <laughs> that's funny. Oh my so, gosh. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, so man. where would, if somebody wanted to go to a workshop, where would they find these? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. And I knew you were going to ask me that. I think it's about being part of uh, sex positive and body positive, positive communities where you'll find workshops. Like um, I, my friend, Marsha Buczynski, uh, who travels around, but I, she's based in uh, the Bay Area now. Um, does what about Bay, you mean San Francisco? Yeah, yes. So okay. um, does workshops around asking for what you want and and sex positive like um, re relationship work, you know, but learning how to um, how to really get honest about what your desires are and what you want to create in your relationship. And it's a very sex positive kind of a discussion. Um, I don't know that she's doing it. I don't know if there her workshops are clothing optional. I can't think of any right now, but that's, you know, but it's about. So well, well, wait a second. Stuff, so you know? said, now you're talking about sex positive as opposed to body positive. So explain that a little bit more. Sure. Um, that is similarly, it's just about embracing all that you are and sort of recognizing that your sexuality is uh, a positive and beautiful and, and can be a very varied thing, you know? So you don't have that sort of narrowness of, of definition and you don't have the shame kind of attachment to that. So um, I really like both of those ways of understanding oneself and, and others, you know? So you don't have to like, and you were talking about earlier that nudity and sex do not necessarily have to go together. You know, they obviously, you can have social nudity, you can have sexual conversation. That's not where no people aren't getting naked and doing stuff. You can have all those things together. You know what it is, but it's like, it's about learning to honor all of that. And then you can choose what situations and relationships you want to have. And I think um, to, and to find places that do that, I mean, part of it is just uh, research. Part of it is being in community where people talk about those kinds of things. So a lot of, in some places, there are queer communities where there, you will be able to hear about 
workshops and retreats and things like that in some spiritual communities that, you know, Wendy, you were mentioning the um, pagan culture has a lot of body positivity and sex positivity often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some people doing yoga, as I mentioned, that will do nude yoga or, or even yoga for other, for all body types, you know, because a lot of the, um, actually I have a, a friend who's a yoga teacher who's talking about this, where we have the way you normally describe yoga poses are often meant for very nimble, thin people, you know, Yeah. or people who are, you know, have all, all their limbs or something like that. And if you have someone who has one arm or is heavier than um, people, you know, envision in this sort of skinny yoga pant thing, you know, <laughs> idea, um, you know, there are ways that you adjust those poses and, and you sort of create space for all people, all bodies in that, in that way. So that's the thing. Um, I want to just interject really quick. Um, in my, when I was, when I was taking a, a, my, my favorite yoga class, which no longer exists, sadly, um, the most flexible woman in there was a pretty large woman, which was, I was surprised at first and now I've gotten over that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and cause she was, you know, she could do like a full split mm-hmm. and nobody else in that room could do that. Mm-hmm. And she was, she was big girl. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, your weight doesn't really tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't prevent you necessarily from achieving these positions. Although for me, there's certain positions where I have, <laughs> I have too much, I have too much uh, body in some places. So I can't like, flatten myself in certain ways like you're supposed to because there's just too much stuff in the way so mm-hmm. um anyway that yeah, was my and that's and that's fine <laughs> and you know and and a, and a yoga teacher who's aware of that will you know just talk to explain the poses in a way that gives everyone the ability to get to where they can go and however their body works and that's that's cool you know but um but yeah no there are there are a lot of uh types of places and, and and it's something that I like to create too I mean that's one thing that I have always been interested in is creating spaces that where people can celebrate themselves a sexuality and body or whatever you know so I have done several workshops well I've done like you know co-ed naked kirtan <laughs> I've been invited to do that in places or whatever and and that's um that's a really healing kind of space. And the thing that I learned is that I think it, it gives people a chance to be more honest. And um, especially if you're doing workshops where people are, are, you know, talking about aspects of self or doing like some spiritual growth work kinds of stuff. Um, when you, when you do the work to get rid of shame around bodies and, thoughts and desires, I think people are become a lot more um, just able to communicate in, in a real earnest way. And that's really what I'm interested in. I'm interested in honesty and um, personal growth and spiritual growth that can happen in a way that is really authentic, you know, and that's, and so when you combine that with uh, body positivity and sex positivity, I feel most 
at home and most able to grow. And that's been where my, I don't know, I've had a lot of solace in that in recent years, really. Um, that's been something that's real strong in my life. You've been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. <laughs>